Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Peter King joins us on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. And with this appearance, I officially hereby declare an open to this year's Super Bowl, because we really haven't talked about it much. We were kind of saving it from Peter, uh, who joins us from Arizona. Thank you so much, Peter, for joining us today. How are you? No problem. I'm two beers in. Is that okay? That is fantastic. We wouldn't have it any other way unless maybe it was three or four. Then things could get really, really interesting. Um yeah. Before we get to your neck of the woods, we'll start in our neck of the woods where Tim Kawakami today uncorked a little nugget that Brock Purdy uh, and, you know, the situation that obviously left the 49ers looking for another quarterback in the NFC title game. Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo might have been more motivated had things not gone sour late in the year between Shanahan, Lynch, and Garoppolo over whatever. Tim is just speculating. With all that you know around the 49ers, did you catch wind, Peter, of something being rotten in Camelot that might prevent Jimmy from wanting to return to be an emergency in the playoffs? No. Uh, I did not, and I did hear about that today, but I, my eyebrows were raised. I never heard anything about that, so I just don't know. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm not saying it, it, it isn't true. I'm sure it is. Tim is very good, very well plugged in. I, I don't know anything about it. Here's the, here's the thing that I don't know. I don't want to say it surprised me, <laughs> but... I think that if Jimmy Garoppolo were even 70%, I would have wanted him to be back up Philadelphia and have Josh Johnson not be dressed for that game. But obviously, according to Kyle, he wasn't ready to play, at least according to Kyle. So I take him at his word, and uh, you know we'll see what happens. We'll see what develops out of this. Um, is there, well, again, I'm asking you to speculate and it's unfair, but this is, this is inherently unfair. You talking to us every week is just not, not a good idea for you. Um, is there a possibility that Kyle Shanahan being a football coach could hold Jimmy Garoppolo's injury history against him? And that might be all that it would take. <coughs> well... I am pretty sure that Kyle knew that whenever the last game of the season was after that, that, you know, this was not, okay, we're not kidding around anymore. This is it. Jimmy, you're going to be a free man at the end of this year. So I think we all figured at that point that, you know, that Jimmy Garoppolo absolutely unequivocally was gone. But I don't think that has much, I didn't think anyway at the time that that had much or anything to do with the depth chart in the playoffs. I always thought that when Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy enough, if not completely healthy, but when he was healthy enough, that he was going to be dressing as a backup quarterback. I I didn't think he was going to usurp 
Purdy, but I thought that he would be dressing as a backup quarterback. And so my assumption was that he just wasn't healthy. And uh, But, Ray, I never thought that it was going to extend beyond this year. Peter King with us here on 95.7 The Game. So you've touched down in Arizona to cover yet another Super Bowl in your career. We have seen Super Bowl week sort of, you know, go through a lot of changes just in the last few years in terms of media row, the, you know, what it used to be, what it is now, the way that they let fans in and around it, what has happened of media night. The access that used to feel like it came from an awful lot of this week, it's now turned into a 365-day-of-the-year operation. What is the most valuable part of the media's week to you, Peter, as you get ready for the game on Sunday? All right, I'll tell you exactly what the most valuable part is. Today, as we are uh, reaching the end of Wednesday, it's 6.05 p.m. here, the media availabilities today... Uh, Kansas City is in the morning. I miss that because I have a bunch of job-related things, work-related things. Uh, but I did go out to the uh, to the Eagles. And I'll tell you one of the things. There's everything. There's a lot that I curse about the Super Bowl. You know, the mayhem, the, the fact that uh, I'm, I'm basically uh, competing with Carrot Top. Uh, to interview people, um, and I'm only slightly exaggerating there, but yes, Carrot Top was here today and yesterday, and uh, man, he he's he's aging, shall we say? <laughs> anyway, you know, but the one thing, and it happened this afternoon. I spent 25, 30 minutes with, with Howie Roseman. Um, and found out a lot of really interesting things, to me anyway, about how this team has been built. Then I spent 20 minutes with a guy named Jeff Stoutland, the line coach of the Eagles, who you know is lording over now the best offensive line in football and one of the best offensive lines in recent years. And so those are the kind of things, because Jeff Stoutland's not normally available. Uh, Hockey Roseman not is not normally available. Those that is what I love about Super Bowl week. For a couple of days, everyone in the organization is available for you to talk to. And luckily, because I have a relationship with Howie, I was alone with him for that period of time. And those are the kind of things that I truly appreciate about Super Bowl week. Not a lot else I really appreciate about it. Because it is an S show. But, you know, hey, this is what America likes, I guess. So I don't want to be the uh, the guy who is, uh, you know, yelling, get off my lawn. I, I truly do appreciate being able to get exposed to all these guys who, in many cases, I'm not normally able to speak to. Um, let's get back to the S show. Uh, are you getting a sense that... New Orleans is going to be able to close the deal with Derek Carr, or does this look like an unpleasant marriage that's going to end catastrophically for everybody? I don't really know, Ray. Uh, I've not talked to... I know Mickey Loomis pretty well. I was planning to check in with him about where that stood by the end of the week. Uh, But as of now, I don't know. I do know this. That if I were uh, Derek Carr right now, there's two teams I'd be very interested in. I'd be interested in New Orleans. I'd be interested in the New York Jets. Because both of those teams have good defenses. Jets are a little better, but you know that Jets are probably going to wait for Aaron Rodgers. And so Derek Carr is going to get a job. That's not in dispute. I believe that the not to dispute, but the but the issue is going to be who's going to step out first. And I think New Orleans is going to step out because they just don't have enough faith in either Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton. And look, Ray, we saw it this year. We saw Derek Carr's play absolutely cratered this year. And cratered to the point where the last two weeks of the season where for whatever reason, as bizarre as this sounds, 
he he left, and you know they were they were happy that he left. It was just just the weirdest thing for a guy who, you know, six months ago was a franchise cornerstone, and and so you know obviously something went wrong there, and I think that the first team to go out and show Derek Carr some love uh, is probably going to be rewarded with employing him next year. And since you brought it up, both the name and the word weird, what happens with Aaron Rodgers? Give me your give me your best guess. Wait, is it, say it again, Ray. Uh, you mentioned weird. You mentioned his name. What's what's your best sense on what happens with Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I was on the Dan Patrick show today, and I said. Does Aaron Rodgers ever do anything normal? Does he ever say, you know, I'm going to go up to Tahoe for a few days, have a few beers, you know, take some long walks and try to figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life? No. It's either I'm going to go on an ayahuasca uh, expedition to Peru for two weeks, or I'm going to go sit in a dark... I have never heard of this in my life. <laughs> have you ever heard of anybody trying to decide what they want to do with their lives, or with their life, and and go and sit in a dark room for four days? Only in a like, torture situation. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's just, it's weird. It's just weird. And I don't know. And look, you know, all the power to him if that gives Aaron Rodgers clarity. And and I'm you know whatever everybody's different and I get that but this is just I mean a succession of weirdness in my opinion but uh, that's that's where we are I I still think that if I were Aaron Rodgers as much as it would be in following in Brett Favre's footsteps which I think would probably make him uh, wrecked um, I think that the smartest thing for him to do and the chance in the next two years that he would have to his team fairly far would be to go to the New York Jets. Bad part of it is that all the quarterbacks are in the AFC, but the Jets have a top five defense in the NFL. They have a top five defensive coach in the NFL in Robert Sala. And I just think that I, I think that team is a decent quarterback away from winning 11 games and being the fifth seed in the AFC. So I don't know. Will Aaron Rodgers see it that way? I I don't know the answer. Peter, I I hope that you've got somebody expense accounting, a big fat ribeye with your name on it somewhere for you tonight and that you got to get going really soon. So let me just get to two things before we, we let you go here. Last week, you said that Steve Wilkes would be a good fit as defensive coordinator of the Niners. He is the choice. What do you like about him in San Francisco? You know, there's two things about him that I've always really liked. Okay, number one, if you talk to guys who played for Steve Wilkes, they will talk about him the way that Fred Warner talks about D'Amico Ryans. And that is what I want out of my defensive coordinator. I want a guy who my players are going to go to the wall for. Okay, You never have heard, even in Arizona, you never heard players say, Geez, that guy's kind of cheesy, or there's this wrong with him or that wrong with him. And I think the second thing that I would really like about him right now, anyway, is he really knows this division. And I'm sure that Kyle Shanahan looks at this situation as, hey, listen, we don't need to overturn what we've done here. We need to continue doing great things with this defense. We've got a real smart guy who's not going to look to reinvent the wheel and who every guy who's ever played for him will just say, that's a guy I really like to play for. So I'm, I'm bullish on that hire. I think it's a good one. Peter, what are you more comfortable betting against? And these are two uncomfortable things to bet against. Would you rather bet against this Eagles defense or Patrick Mahomes? Oh, my God. I mean, 
you know, if I, I feel like I'd rather be burned at the stake than answer that question because I love both. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles defense was just absolutely awesome, especially down the stretch. And I think it's going to be very, very difficult, especially with Mahomes being a little hobbled and having his offensive weaponry pretty hobbled. I think it's going to be very hard for them. But I, I guess the way I would answer that is I've all, I look at football today and I look at trying to figure out football games today in thinking about the players who I really respect a lot, who I would say, if I had one game to win, give me this guy. If I had one game to win tomorrow, even with a high ankle sprain, give me Patrick Mahomes, you know, of any player in the NFL. You know, and that obviously includes all the quarterbacks. And it's no sign of disrespect to anybody else, but it is just the simple acknowledgement that every game that Patrick Mahomes plays, I find it hard to believe he's not going to win. Now, this one is just a little different because of all the injuries among his skill players and the fact that this year Jalen Hurts is 16-1 and one as a starting quarterback. <laughs> Excuse me, and has one of the best offensive lines we've ever we've ever seen. But the one other thing I would say just about the Eagles right now is, you know, I've been around them a little bit in the last three or four weeks. This is a really, really confident team. It's not that Kansas City's unconfident. Philadelphia just has the feel. I think this Eagles team is a touchdown better than the Eagles team that won the Super Bowl five years ago. And, you know, so I just think this Eagles team is going to be very, very hard to beat. Peter, thank you so much for joining us tonight. All football season long. Uh, Get that frog out of the back of your throat with a third beer. You've earned it. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, fellas. Take care. Really appreciate it. Peter King, just a quick one, because it is dinner hour in Phoenix, and if you want to get you know, get the, the good cut at Mastro's, you got to get there early. He doesn't strike me as a Mastro's guy, unless he's... Wherever the, wherever the expense account's open, he strikes me as that guy. Expense accounts at NBC are not what they used to be. I'm guessing that he's probably... He's probably south of that. But I suspect he will have a series of more beers. Would you like a little breaking news, Ray? Okay. Would you like a little breaking NBA trade deadline news? You want to push a button here, Grandy, to make it official? 95-7, the game. Breaking news. (laughs) So here's the deal. It looks like we have a deal. Between the Lakers, the Jazz, and the Timberwolves, Shams is reporting the three teams are finalizing a trade that will send D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt to L.A., Russell Westbrook, and a first-round pick go to Utah, Mike Conley Jr., and a second-round pick in compensation go to Minnesota. And reports coming out of Utah early is that Russ will be bought out, which is going to deny us the made-for-TV series that is Russell Westbrook in Utah. But uh, there you go. It looks like we have our first official blockbuster NBA trade of the trade deadline. And, you know, I mean, all all due respect to Kyrie, uh, this is is kind of interesting. Uh, are, Are the Lakers a better team? Just after reading this sentence, yeah, I think they are. They might be. I mean, I don't know yet just because they're so, I mean, they Russell got a, they Wilson got a is real not point th- guard. They got a real point guard in D'Angelo Russell, and they got a real wing defender in Jared Vanderbilt. I, I like the Vanderbilt part. I'm not sure about Russell. And they still have the problem of figuring out how to get maximum out of Anthony Davis 
and watching him last night... You did not look like you wanted to play hard. That's not what max effort looks like. No. Uh, By the way, Juan Toscano-Anderson and Damian Jones both go to the Jazz as well. Oh, Juan Toscano-Anderson in Utah. Sorry, man. Well... Cash that NBA check. It's good living. Yeah, it's either that or play on a Lakers team that is just bereft of anything. I mean, I like the Vanderbilt part more than I like anything else about this. Um, I don't know that I trust D'Angelo Russell. And if he's not trustworthy, LeBron James will figure that out early. Because I don't think LeBron's got the uh, uh, ability to be... Beggar and chooser at this point. He was desperate to get any. How about this? Instant upgrade over Russell Westbrook. Full stop. D'Angelo is a better basketball player in this season than Russell Westbrook could conceivably ever be. That's an upgrade. Easy to see coming. Nothing but, to even debate. No, but he has to. He has to adjust his usage rate downward because he's not going to be the guy who handles the ball the most with the Lakers. That's going to be LeBron. And I'm not convinced that he's comfortable with giving up his usage rate. So I think he's got to make adjustments to his game that he's never done before. I mean, when he was with the Warriors, he needed to have the ball. And that turned out to be a disaster. So they have the same problem with a younger guy. Um, and he's going to have to figure out how to be dynamic in a system in which the dominant guy is one of the great players of all time, which he's never really had but had to deal with before. So we'll see if he adjusts. Because if he doesn't adjust, all they did was get Jared Vanderbilt. Again, of course, you only see the negative aspect in all of this. I, I, it's, no, it's a, I think, it's a I very think, good trade for the Lakers. I, for a team that looked like they were devoid of any options that would even come close to looking like this, uh, Rob Palenka goes from, you're terrible at this, to I'm surprised you pulled that one off. I'm I'm holding out to see what kind of D'Angelo Russell they have. Because Again, I, any I be, kind of D'Angelo Russell's better than Russell Westbrook. No, because he has some serious Russell Westbrookian tendencies, and those are those are what have to change. I mean, one of the reasons why Minnesota is still dysfunctional is because he never figured out how to play with Carl Anthony Towns, and he certainly didn't figure out how to play with Carl Anthony Towns. And Rudy Gobert. Well, how many games did he get with them? I mean, those two guys went down injured. But they, they've been back long enough. I, D'Angelo Russell is, to me, a question mark at best, problem at worst. And he's got to be significantly better. And not just in terms of the counting stats, like points and assists. He's got to be a more aware basketball player. And he's got to be a guy who's got to be comfortable with the idea that the offense doesn't run through him. I mean, that that was the problem with Russell Westbrook. I think LeBron will be happy to get off the ball a little bit. Doesn't mean he's not, you know, his usage is going down, but I think LeBron is going to be happy to get off the ball, let a real point guard bring it up the floor, maybe buy him a little few more, you know, easier trips up the court than being the focus of everyone's defense from three-quarter court on because you're bringing the ball up. And I'll say this about... D'Angelo Russell, there are a lot of reasons to doubt what he might be, could be. Here's what he also is. Emphatically, the third best Laker the day he steps on the court. He's the third best Laker they got. If he plays that way, my question is, will he play that way? And there's not much evidence that suggests that he will play that way. He's having a good year. He's having a good year in numbers-wise, but he didn't make that team any better, and his usage rate is still as astronomical, and his care of the basketball is no better than it has been. Well, since we're talking a little basketball, happy birthday to seriously one of the more likable stars in Bay Area sports history. Clay Thompson turns 33 years old today. Uh, it's amazing, man. This is year 12 already for Clay. Now, two of those years were obviously spent rehabbing, but those were career years for Clay in terms of they weren't off years. He probably worked harder in those years. Or at least it felt like harder work in those years than any year he was actually out there playing. What's amazing is the guy's consistency, even as he struggles to find his consistency. Because Clay Thompson, not the efficient player he used to be, but he was getting 21 a night for the five years before he got hurt in the NBA Finals. And he's basically 21 a night 
in the two years since he's been back. It looks different. It's a little less efficient. It doesn't come with a defensive prowess, which never got universally recognized by the NBA with any award anyway. But we know how good he was. But man, he's coming off 12 of 16 from three. Let's keep it cooking tonight on your birthday, Clay. Let's see it happen. Uh, very, very important game up in Portland tonight. There are uh, How many could you make the argument? That's a winnable road game. Are really out there for the Warriors that have been so bad on the road this year. I don't care about the little corner that they've turned recently. Every single time they tip off a road game, they are back to you know, the, the, the square one in terms of what you might do tonight. They haven't built up any house credit on the road, in my mind. This is a winnable road game. A rare, winnable road game for a team that is only a couple games over 500 at home and is a couple games under 500 overall record. They should beat Portland tonight. If they can keep Damian Lillard from scoring 45. Yeah, that's just, I was going to say 50, because he might be able to do that too, but... Um, even if he does go for 45 or 50, there shouldn't be enough around him to overcome what the Warriors are. Even without Steph Curry. Even without Steph Curry. You got Jordan Poole coming off a, hopefully his eyes got wider in terms of how he needs to go out and play for the Warriors to play at their best. He got his first double-double of the season with a career-high 12 assists. He hit five three-pointers while Clay was hitting 12. Hopefully that continues. Dante DiVincenzo coming off a 14-7 and game. He is now definitely in his biggest stretch with the Warriors in terms of his responsibility to deliver them into the win column. Wiggins played really well in his last game. Draymond is the only drop of defense that you can see on this team. Hopefully he continues to drop some defense tonight. Kaminga's getting better. Kevon Looney is, you know, 10 rebounds rolling out of bed. and Hopefully continues to be. We'll see what this one looks like tonight. But this is a game. Here's the thing. You want to give us a reason to start taking you seriously. Go win in Portland. Win your third game in a row in Portland. What They've won five of their last seven, I believe. So... Keep a good thing going as you try to get through the last four games you got to get through before the All-Star break. Again, they're in Portland tonight. Saturday, they're home against the Lakers. Next week, Monday, they host the Wizards. Tuesday, they're at the Clippers. And then the All-Star week is upon them. Nice break off for everyone. Steph, obviously, not going to the All-Star game with his situation. So more of a break off from him. For a guy who's going to miss a couple weeks, a few weeks, several weeks, whatever that means, the you know non-definitive way that the Warriors have explained away this Steph Curry leg injury, thank God one of those weeks is an All-Star week, and they don't have any games. Yeah, that's that's a, you know thanks for small favors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 about as decent. Uh, as a break, as you can catch while Steph Curry is getting injured. So there you go. The big news of the hour from Shams. The Lakers, Jazz, and Timberwolves finalizing a three-team deal to send D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt to the Lakers. Russell Westbrook and a first-round pick go to Utah. It seems like the Jazz are going to buy out Westbrook. Mike Conley and a second-round pick go to Minnesota. There it is. Your first Big trade since the Kyrie trade. We'll see if there's another one that even gets into that ballpark tomorrow. I don't think so. No, th- this is this is the one. I mean, nothing's going to be as big as this. And, and even look- at that, it's problematic for everybody. I mean, Utah gets Mike Conley, you know, Nikhil Alexander Walker in three seconds. No, not much help there. Oh no, I'm sorry, Minnesota does gets that. So they're not helped. Um, and again, D'Angelo Russell is for me still very much a question mark. And Russell Westbrook gets to play for nobody. I wonder if someone will try to come on him on the buyout market. Maybe. And that is like the little secondary trade deadline that comes up after the actual trade deadline. Little buyout market in the NBA. And then the dust will officially be settled. We had Monty Poole on with us yesterday. We asked him what he thought the Warriors would do. He said squadoosh. Because Steph is out, it's not you can't make a move because your your leader is gonna be missing for, you know, three or four weeks. That's 
short-term thinking and it's dangerous and it's a panic move. And the last time they made a panic move, it backfired in their face and they didn't make the playoffs. That was the Kelly Oubre situation. So I don't think they'll go that route, make a dramatic move because steps out and we need to get somebody. And so Wiseman, Moody, and you know a draft pick down the road, whatever. No, I, I think it would be a smaller move, but I, I still think that they are determined to try and get someone who can help up front and they need that and we'll see what they end up with. Take Jared Vanderbilt off of that list of potential. I you know potential trade partner that would make an, a difference, and but, even if you could trade, you know, even, even if that could have the, the Warriors are very hamstrung. Again, they can't trade their twenty twenty three first round pick. They don't have uh, their pick in twenty twenty four. They can't trade their twenty twenty five first rounder. They have no second round picks in two thousand. Uh, 23, 24, 25, or 26. Wiggins can't go anywhere. Jordan Poole is next to impossible to move because his extension hasn't even kicked in yet. And the young guys that you think, well, maybe you could offer them up in kind of a poo-poo platter. Well, they've been so poo-poo, there isn't really any trade value there. So uh, the Warriors are... They probably weren't going to do very much to begin with. And even if they wanted to do something, they really don't have that many levers to pull. Yeah, or partners who are interested in the levers they want to pull. So, yeah, I, I think this is a this is for them yet another perfect storm, which is they don't have an avenue to move players they want to move or to get players they want to get. So, that's who they are. Well, here's the other perfect storm. Somehow, some way, you are still like four and a half games out of a two seed. So, just just play some winning basketball. Play some winning basketball over 15 games. I freaking dare you. See if you can go win tonight in Portland. I freaking dare you. Well, good luck with that. We got our man, John Dickinson, coming up with Warriors Live in a half an hour from right now. Ray, I want to get back to uh, one other thing that I thought we would kind of peel away from the Peter King interview and get into this. Nora Princiati for The Ringer was writing about the hell of the year that you know, the NFL just had and that this league maybe used this year once and for all to prove and she doesn't like this that it's like definitively too big to fail. Um, you know, she just recapped some of the things that you'd think you know, one or two of these things, much less all of these things stacked up on each other would really damage a league in terms of PR or how many people were interested in it. When you look at all the stuff the NFL's had to deal with this year, starting with Deshaun Watson kicking it all off, you know, signing the largest guaranteed deal in NFL history after being at the very, very, very best naughty <laughs> with more than two dozen masseuses. You had Daniel Snyder officially become team sexually uncomfortable for women, making the dumbest rebrand to a team name that nobody even likes. The generic one was better. And he's dodging congressional subpoenas on his IMAX yacht the entire year. You got Gruden's ongoing lawsuit over the slur-laden emails that got released due to the whole Washington investigation. You got Miami owner Stephen Ross fined and suspended for wanting to tank games and lure Tom Brady. You got Brian Flores' class action lawsuit claiming... You know, black coaches get shafted at every single turn. You got the Jerry Jones trying to, like, intimidate young black kids in the 1957 Arkansas picture. You had Tua getting concussed on the field and scaring the crap out of football media and fans. Then you had DeMar Hamlin nearly dying, which really scared the crap out of football media and fans. You know, watching a guy die on a football field. Nearly dying die on a football field. You figure that would be horrific enough to where people were at least going to be like, oh my God, get it off my TV. No, as a matter of fact, it's the best rating in the history of Monday Night Football on ESPN. Don't tell me we're here for the race. We're here for the crashes. Nora Princiati goes on to write, Ray. In reality, there's a clear case to be made that the NFL, having given all of that, has never been stronger in May, the league signed a new media rights deal, which will be, uh, you know, in place for the next decade, and it's worth about $100 billion, nearly doubling their pie. Less than two months ago, Google and the NFL struck a deal for YouTube TV to stream the league's out-of-market games package Sunday ticket for a recorded price tag of $2.5 billion per year. The league had 82 of the top 100 television broadcasts in the U.S. last year. 
one of the few businesses to emerge from the pandemic with only growth being observable on the horizon and had record attendance and ticket demand at international games. So this isn't just like, uh, well, you Americans are all addicted to it in the finer heeled countries of the world. They would never go for this. No, they go for it in record numbers. She said this is basically a moral stress test that, you know, they haven't dealt with with deft precision it hasn't hurt at all. The enduring strength makes it easy to stare at the league's dark underbelly and say that nothing matters and nothing will ever change. That owners will continue behaving badly and profits will always be prioritized over players' health. Nothing that happens in the NFL this season stopped any of the 53 million viewers who tuned into the AFC Championship game from doing so. And, you know, how the way the NFL handled Deshaun Watson to Dan Snyder to Tua to DeMar... It doesn't carry real consequences, financial or otherwise. So even asking for the league to do better feels like an empty plea. Oh, yes. it's like this. It, it's like she should be your daughter, Ray. Oh no, no, she's absolutely right. The NFL is motivated to do nothing other than what it's doing now, and what it's doing now is generating business. So there's there's not you know. They, they don't have to worry about PR. They print their own money. Yeah, they not they not only print their own money. They they literally. I mean, if they fired their entire PR staff, or or you know, crisis management team, all they do is save a bunch of salaries because nobody cares. You could have AI. You know, they're talking about all the things that AI can do. AI can write a sitcom. AI can write a ten minute stand up routine these days. You could have AI work PR for the NFL and put out statements that are tantamount to cry all you want, we don't care about your feelings and it wouldn't hurt the business one bit. No, you wouldn't even have to put out the statement. It just, no, business is the business. If we could figure out a way to play games every night and go from 17 games to 40, we'd do it. I mean, there is there is no governor on them right now. And the recession that everybody thought was going to hammer the economy that might have hit the NFL, too, that hasn't happened. It hasn't hammered their economy, and it hasn't hammered the economy that goes along with big games. I saw this from Arash Markazi today. Super Bowl ticket prices, Ray? The average purchase price of a Super Bowl ticket on uh, TickPicks right now is $7,320 which makes it the most expensive Super Bowl based on average ticket price on record. Yet at the same time, this is a Super Bowl that doesn't have much buzz around it either. Um, The get-in price is $4,692, which is down about $700 since Monday, down over $1,000 since the game was actually announced, which means that this game isn't playing huge back in Kansas City or Philadelphia in terms of rampant ticket purchases. And when you think about it, you probably, if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, have been buying a lot of expensive football tickets over the last five years to watch your team play. And you're not that far removed from a Super Bowl if you were in Philadelphia. So a lot of a lot of expensive tickets have been purchased, which means this is not generating the rampant business back in the hometown markets. The average ticket price, though, I mean, when you think about it, if it really is seventy three hundred dollars, Ray, we're talking about fourteen thousand dollars for two Super Bowl tickets. That's before flights. That's before meals. That's before drinks or the price of a hotel room. I'm just going to tell you that going to a Super Bowl is officially a very cool thing to do. It is not cooler than the weeks-long four-star vacation that you could go on for about that cost. I mean, you can enjoy a Super Bowl for about 15, 20 grand, and that'll take up about three hours of your life, or you can go on a three-week vacation for the same price. And, I mean, like, there is... There's so little bang for your buck there. And I understand that if you're buying Super Bowl tickets, you're really not worried about money to begin with. It sort of comes, you know, with the profile of who buys Super Bowl tickets. But uh, that's a ridiculous amount of money to spend on three and a half hours of entertainment. Even if you went for the whole week, it's, it's 20 grand. 
who's got twenty grand to spend? Well, other than other than the maniacally rich. Well, that's and what this that's is. and that's what the Super Bowl has been for a while. I just the fact that it's incrementally more expensive this year than last just tells me that next year it'll be incrementally more expensive next year until sometime in the as yet undefined future when the bubble bursts on everything. The NFL might be the last canary in the coal mine to die. It's well again giving the Nora Princiati Ringer article, there's no amount of cyanide from a PR standpoint that this league can ingest that even fluctuates its heartbeat. It's amazing. It really is too big to fail. And like beyond World War III global economic collapse, guess what the one thing we would turn to to get away from all that stress would be? Football. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's things. They're, they don't really have to worry about quality control anymore or safety or anything else. They, right now, they genuinely have done the one thing that Roger Goodell was hired to do is make them untouchable. That's why he still gets paid $60 million a year because in that one little corner of the business, he's, he's done the job they paid him to do. He's done it damn well. They and, might not like him, but they do. Well, they they endure him. They just say, "Who else could do this?" Yeah, we don't know. So why why change? Why change anything if you're them? Imagine if we had to endure you for sixty million a year. You wouldn't. Remember, every single guest that joins us joins us on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. We are also. Brought to you by calhope.org. We'll be back with Final Jeopardy in just a moment. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to D. 
Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Our NBA trade deadline coverage is brought to you by Boxer and Gerson, Northern California's premier workers' compensation law firm, helping injured workers get their lives back for over 40 years. The NBA trade deadline is tomorrow at noon our time, and we will have you covered with the very latest getting into it, starting with the morning show, which is going to have Tim Kawakami in from 8 to 9 a.m. tomorrow going over any of the morning's news. Probably not going to find any news tomorrow morning bigger than the Shams bomb just dropped on us. Uh, the Lakers, Jazz, and Timberwolves finalizing a trade to send D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt to the Lakers. Russell Westbrook in a first-round pick go to Utah. Mike Conley Jr. in a second-round pick in compensation go to Minnesota. The Reports are that Russ will be bought out by Utah, and Chris Haynes is the first to step up to the plate and say that if indeed Russ is bought out by Utah, one of the first teams that will be interested in Russell Westbrook would be the Clippers. So, you know, if you love watching him in Los Angeles, maybe your future will still hold that for you. Yeah, that one that one staggers me because the Clippers have been playing better of late. I mean, they're they're now like fourth in the conference, and I don't know what Russell Westbrook necessarily gives you that he doesn't take away with the other hand. I'd say that a headache. He definitely yeah. gives you one of those. Yeah. No. I. I. Yeah. I. To me, that. You know. I. It would make sense if he was coming from another city, and maybe you could make the argument. Well, being closer to home will reinvigorate him. Well, he's already at home. So that you can't even make that argument. So, yeah, I don't know. Clippers being Clippers, I guess. So stick around because much more coming up tomorrow. It is the NBA trade deadline, and we'll see if the Warriors actually do anything. They have very limited resources in terms in which to conduct a trade that would really make a difference. So we'll see whether or not they actually do it. Uh, you you want to help yourself out, Golden State Warriors? Again, don't worry about the trade deadline. Worry about the Portland Trailblazers and go beat them tonight at the Rose Garden. It's not the Rose Garden. It's always going to be the Rose Garden. Oh, okay. Um, just the same way that they could have changed it. They changed Candlestick's name to two stupid different things. It was Candlestick. All right. Well, I mean, it has been the Rose Garden for a number of years now. I don't even think people in Portland call it the Rose Garden anymore. Oh, they... they I have people that. who live in Portland. You Nobody have refers to it as the Rose Garden. No, they no. love saying Moda Center, the, or they'll just say the Center. The Center. That's what the cool kids call it these days. Yeah, they don't call. They don't call right. it the Rose Garden. Rose Garden. It's been too many that. years. It's better than all that. Rose Garden. Oh, I like. I like it better than both of those. But time marches on. It's like when they built the uh, the field house that the Colts now play in. Whatever that thing is named. I don't even know the name of it. They still they 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 tore the RCA dome down, built the new what are they Lucas what? Oil? Lucas Oil Field. Thank you very much. They call Lucas Oil Field the RCA dome still in Indianapolis. Well, They're like, you go to the RCA dome, even though it's a building ago. Yeah. Does RCA even exist? Anymore? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. The see, roses roses do exist, but Portland's moved on. I was going to try to go into Roses by Outcast, but there's no way I can do it without swearing. So I'm going to move on. Hey, if LeBron can do it, why not you? Ray, I'd like to introduce you to maybe the most impressive young woman in sports in America today. Um, we were talking about things that we'll never see, probably records broken in our lifetime. And a young woman named Erin Matson has maybe set the latest. Do you know anything about this or where I'm going with this? Go with it. Erin Matson. well, before I tell you about her, I guess I need to tell you about the North Carolina Tar Heels women's field hockey team. I don't even think I need to see women's field hockey because there is no men's field hockey. So North Carolina Tar Heels field hockey team, uh, they have three dominant teams on campus at the University of North Carolina, men's basketball, women's soccer, and field hockey. The field hockey team has won four of the last five NCAA championships, and Aaron Matson was a key contributor on many of those. Uh, she was so good. She was so respected. That three months after her winning her last title uh, in, in North Carolina, she was named head coach. 
She's 22 years old. She takes off her jersey from the last game she plays. She graduates and 75 days later is named head coach of the team. Now, Pat Forty, writing for Sports Illustrated, wanted to just point this out. Because, you know, all the field hockey jokes that you might have that you think lend themselves to them making a reach higher like this. So it's just straight up. This doesn't happen in modern college athletics. The path from player to coach might start immediately after a competitive career ends for some. But the path to player to head coach, like, always winds through a few stops and several years, sometimes several decades. Not only is North Carolina radically accelerating that timetable, this isn't some fixer-upper job that nobody wanted. Matson was chosen from a field of A-list candidates to lead a 10-time national champion juggernaut. Now, obviously, it's a much different scale than Alabama football, but this would be equivalent to Nick Saban retiring and then some player who just graduated being named head coach. It's, it's really an unprecedented thing in the history of hiring. Oh, it's extraordinary. I mean, it just, it's, it's hard to get your head around, even if you've, like, read some of the stories about it, which I did, and I just still, how? I mean, unless there's some sort of NIL link that we don't know about, I don't understand it, but she must be that extraordinary. She must be that extraordinary. A 22-year-old getting a major job at a major level of the sport she's a part of. That's something else. Yeah. Here's we'll never see a 21-year-old. How about that? Get the job. Well, you know, here's your diploma. Oh, by the way, here's your new job. Right. Chalk Talk starts at 6. Yeah. You know, here's, here's you, you can move out of your dorm now. We have an office for you. Unbelievable. So, good luck to her and North Carolina. She'll be fine. Field hockey. Even if she, even if she doesn't keep the job for 50 years, she'll be fine. She'll be okay. I mean, once you start making that field hockey money, Ray, it's all gravy from there. It's not the field hockey money. It's she will get to know people who know people. It's why a lot of it's why a lot of athletes who have other options go to Stanford because you get to know people who know people. Well, it's the old saying: if you're smart enough to get a scholarship offer at Stanford, there's no way you're dumb enough to turn it down. Exactly. Uh, stick around. There's no way to turn down John Dickinson when he's around the corner with Warriors Live. we got Warriors and Blazers coming up from Portland. Warriors Live for the next half hour. Then we got Tim Roy. Then we got tip-off on Clay's 33rd birthday. Who's your favorite Clay Thompson? China Clay? Scaffolding Clay? Or hitting 12 three-pointers Clay? Hopefully that's the one that shows up in Portland tonight at the Rose Garden. Yeah, because he does. he hits 12 in a row. In multiple games a lot. It, it All the time. Let's see it happen again tonight. Go ahead and beat the Portland Trailblazers. We'll be talking about that hopefully tomorrow. And in the meantime, thank you very much to Peter King for joining us. For Lucas, Grandy, and Ray, I'm Damon. Sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.